Hello and welcome to the Camping Crew Podcasts with Chris and Aaron. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 178 of the Camping Crew Podcast. I'm Aaron Burchell. And I'm Chris Byrne. It's meant to be a fun podcast. We're just enthusiasts on what we discuss on the podcast are just our own personal views, although we do look into things that you ask us to look into. If you'd like to support the podcast, and if you can afford to, you can buy us a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash the camping crew. Right, let's start off uh, a bit of news, and this is good news. Stena Line have announced 70, 70 new pet-friendly cabins on the Irish Sea routes. Now, that is good news. When we do France, myself, Deirdre and Charlie, we always book a dog-friendly cabin. The one year we didn't do it, Chris, I went Dublin to England, drove across England and got the tunnel because there's no way I'll put Charlie into a cage. But this is great news. And it was on the uh, RTE website that it came up. It's been on all Facebook groups and on motorhome forums. But we just thought we'd bring it to you that the Swedish ferry company Stenaline has announced that it will introduce 70 new pet friendly cabins across the Irish Sea on its routes this year. Yeah, I was looking at some of the routes there. They're saying the Belfast to Carn Ryan, they're saying Dublin to Hollyhead, Ross there to Fishguard, Belfast to Liverpool routes seem to be the uh, main ones. They said similar to the ones that are on Ross there to Cherbourg. So that's a brilliant facility, isn't it? Now, the Ross there to Cherbourg that we get, there's only 10 cabins. Now, the cabins are identical to a people cabin. The difference is that there's lino on the floor. Some of the people cabins have carpet on the floor. They're identical. They have four single beds. They have a toilet and shower. The thing is you get a little doggy bag and there's usually a water bowl and a treat and a toy. And you get it coming back as well, which is really cool. Uh, And then the rules are as follows. The rules are there to be broken. When you move your dog from your vehicle to your cabin, one person goes to greet the cabin person who will give you your cabin number and key. The dog, no matter what breed, must be muzzled, making your way from the vehicle to your cabin. And then you can only bring your dog out your cabin door onto this little area. And again, the dog must be muzzled. The cabin beside us had three of your little dogs. We had our dog and then there was a cabin on the other side of us had two greyhounds. Now, there was no way the muzzles I saw the chap get out of the car and caravan with the three little schnauzers trying to put the muzzles on and he just put them in a bag. The schnauzers. <laughs> the, he, and I said, you know what? I had been training Charlie for a couple of weeks and a few minutes every day and I put it on him and halfway up the stairs, he tried to take it off. So I just said, do you know what? Not one other dog was wearing a muzzle. So I held it in my hand and then the chap did say to me, that muzzle should be on him as it is just had to fall off. He says, don't worry, he looks like a pet. But the rules do state you must have a muzzle going from your vehicle to the cabin, out onto the deck and then making your way back down to the vehicle. But look, it's good news. There's only 10 on the Rossler to Cherbourg, so you have to book them very early. Yeah, I'd imagine those ones would go pretty fast as well. The the ones across from the, the UK back and forth as well. Um, Look, it's probably no harm than to have a, a muzzle in your back pocket just in case and yes. see what everyone else is doing really and go with the flow. Yes, there was nobody. There was one big, big Doberman or something, but he looked like he wore a muzzle all the time. He had no problem with it. And there was no hassle. You know, when they say, please make your way out onto the deck to make your way down. We were out there for 20 minutes. It was scorching hot. There was no hassle. Dogs were, were just 
sniffing dogs and just, you know, there was absolutely no hassle. They did say that the article goes on to say that the pet friendly facilities have been introduced after consulting with customers and pet pet experts. Steneline Travel Commercial Manager of the Irish Sea, Orla Noonan, said she said that pet cabins are now available to book Dublin to Hollyhead, Rosslair to Fishguard and Belfast to Liverpool. Requests for pet friendly cabins and pet lounges are some of the most frequent received from customers. Good news. Right. Let's see. Online chatter. Hey, you were away for the weekend camping. Yeah, we were away the weekend before last. We're down at more and I met some of the, the gang there from the Irish Heimers group on Facebook. So just hello to any of the guys that I met down there. Uh, a lovely bunch with some some good chat. So it's nice to catch up with other people there. And a good weekend. That was the first weekend that Ardmore had opened. He opened from the Wednesday, I think, and you yep. were down there the Wednesday, first weekend. Yeah. Good. Yeah, we got there on Thursday, so it started off nice and slow, which was, I suppose, good for for Dick and Richard to get organised there. But um, yeah, it started filling up. I would say it was probably full in maybe Saturday afternoon, and then yeah. started clearing out again. Come for the, come because it wasn't the bank holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I imagine yeah, the bank holidays. The June Bank Holiday weekend coming up now. I imagine that'll be a, another busy time as well. And midweek, it's pretty, um, it's pretty quiet. So if you want a quiet time, definitely suggest going down midweek. You know. Well, at least until the school holidays, because yeah. from then on, um, I was on to a few campsites over the past couple of weeks, just trying to book places for myself and Charlie to do a few videos. And again, midweek from now until the middle of June, not a problem. But literally from the sixteenth, eighteenth of June. I'd nearly want to be booking now, but weekends, a lot of the campsites I got onto weekends, absolutely, totally booked out from now until September for especially during the school holiday. So, guys, girls, if you're thinking of booking, seriously, start making the calls now. Start getting your calendar together now. We got a, a message there yesterday from Ken. Uh, he had an interesting question or, or topic request uh, regarding C1 licences. I'll have a read through Aaron, and I think this is a, certainly a, a topic a lot of people would be interested in. Um, so Ken uh, says, Hi Chris and Aaron, I've been eyeing the ads lately because I'm tracking prices of vans with a view to buying a motorhome next year. While doing so, I noticed that the vans that require a C1 licence to drive are better value, so I began to wonder whether getting a C1 licence would be worthwhile. We're looking at trying to get a six belt, six belt van, if possible. Um, and I asked, and I, I asked the very experienced gang at Motorhome Crack. Uh, the discussion there at Motorhome Crack took a very interesting turn, and it went in the direction of payloads and upplating uh, the issue of uh, the tiny payload capacity on many motorhomes arose, as well as the inconsistency of results from those who provide Weybridge services. Um, Ken says, in my view, I want to be 100% compliant when on the road with my wife and two children, as well as possibly a couple of my children's friends or grandparents. These issues aren't a problem until suddenly or even tragically, they are a very serious problem. I know you and Aaron have covered a payload issue a few times, but I thought this was an interesting angle on the issue. For my part, I have become convinced that in many cases, a C1 license and an and upplating a van might be a de facto requirement to keep everything above board. I don't have a morbid interest in health and safety at all, but all it would take is for a tragedy involving a motorhome here on the continent, you can find highly accurate way bridges popping up all over the place. So uh, there is a, a thread on motorhome crack if you want to have a look at or 
sorry, motorhomeparkinglocations.com now. If you want to have a look at that there, uh, there's a, a a fair bit of uh, a fair bit of chat about it. Um, so he said, many thanks to you and Aaron for the excellent show, as well as being great fun here providing uh, a real service. So it's nice to hear that as well. So thanks for that. The the C1 license is I'm lucky. I have the C1 license from driving trucks from since since back in the 80s. And when I bought my A class, that required a C1 license because she was a four and a half ton. Now, as you know, Charlie and me have done a video on the weights just literally before Christmas, where I emptied the van, I went to a friend's weighbridge, and she weighed in. I can't remember the figures, but she was just under three and a half ton. And then I put in the two chairs, the, 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 the bits and pieces, and Without Deirdre and without Charlie, she was literally only 10 or 15 kilos under the three and a half ton. So here's my take on it. Practically all of us, and especially the likes of you, where you've two children, two adults, and let's take the two dogs. Practically all of us are driving with the wrong license. A carper van's payload at three and a half. As soon as you put in half a tank of water, full tank of diesel, your missus, your two kids, you're over your weight limit. So legally... We're all, we should all have C1 licenses if if that's the way you want to look at it. But C1 vans are cheaper, but it's a narrow. When I went to sell that A-class, you know, you have a narrower market to sell to where everybody has the C license. I think it's worth doing and getting a C1 license just to have. They are really expensive. So I'm just thinking like um, I, I know some of the one of the, the other gang in the camping crew has a C1 license, but um, his wife doesn't, which means that she can't drive the yeah. camper that they have currently. Same with so, us, Deirdre could. You know, if Ken is looking to share the driving, he would need to get two C1 licenses. Yeah. And you have to do a course, don't you, first on that? And now, then it's it's not like the 12 lessons you have to do for a car, but you do have to do X amount at 85 quid a lesson. And then it's 150 quid for the test, plus you have to rent a vehicle if you don't have one. That yeah. covers the C1 license. There is an expense in it, but I went through the motorhome parking locations forum the link he gave us because there was a great discussion on it. And a lot of them were saying, look, if he wants six berths, six seatbelts, it's going to be a C1 license. So he might as well go and get the C1 license. But as you said, if his wife doesn't have it, Ken is doing all the driving. Maybe he's OK with that. But if you want a six bird, six belts, you're not going to get that in, in our size motorhome. Not for love, no money. Yeah, you know, definitely, it looks like it's going to push into the C1 and just decide, look, whether it's just himself or maybe get with himself first and then next yeah. year, you yeah. know, another it's, member it's, of It's, a, it's a tricky one, but isn't that the same now that you're licensed, you have to have a license to tow a caravan, tow a trailer, you know, depending again on its payload. That was all a crock. I mean, right through the 70s and 80s, you could hitch on the trailer or the caravan and go to Tremor for the weekend. And now if your license doesn't allow you to tow the caravan, you have to do a test. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, on one of the guys, uh, NTG, in the motorhomeparkinglocations.com um, site, said, he said, look, um, he, he said, just sorry, it was actually Airbus said, just find the van you want first. Yeah. And then if you need the license for the van, get the license then. But there's no but point if... in getting the license ahead of time. Your likelihood is you are going to need it. I can oh, see yeah. that. But yeah. look, you, first you got to pick out a van. And find a van that you like and then do what you need to drive that van. That would be my thinking. But if you want a six-bird, six-belt, it will yeah. be a Realistically, it will be over that 
three yeah. and a half ton anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Ken, keep in touch. Let us know what you do and best of luck at the search. Guys, if you have any info that you want to throw onto it, please, we'll give you the contact details at the end of the podcast. And please do get in touch and let us know. But I do know, as I said, it was handy that I have the C1 license. And another thing, you know, People say, but then you have to do the CPC test. You only have to do these CPC tests if you're going to be paid to drive on your C1 license. So, for example, when I was driving buses and trucks, yes, I had to do the CPCs every year. When I stopped commercially using my license, I can still keep my C1 license to drive a big motorhome if I want to, and you don't have to do CPCs. That's purely just if it's not an added expense. It's purely just if you're going to be using a license commercially. I know there's a question there about upplating. I'm not too familiar with that myself now. Like, why would you get a van that's plated, say, for 3,500 and right. upplated? Would you not have to have extra supports? Or Yes. For example, my, my Hymer is 3,500, but it has air suspension. But the previous owner just never bothered upplating it because he had a C1 license. And it, it doesn't matter. But if you go to upload it, you have to get engineer's reports. Yes, you've got to either put in airbag suspension or change the suspension to take the extra bit of weight. And you're probably only talking three or four hundred kilos. Personally, I don't think it's, it, it would be possibly the same cost as going for your C1 license or not much, not much cheaper. But it would give you a, a bigger, bigger payload. Yes. OK, so yes, it could be worthwhile doing that as well. I'm and it could be something that. as simple as just having the airbags at the back suspension upgraded by airbags or whatever but then you can only carry the weight remember you could get stopped on a way bridge and may not be overweight you could get stopped we'll say on wednesday heading down to ardmore and you come in on the three and a half but you might be overweight on your front axle or you might be so your your front axle takes a thousand kilos we'll say a ton and your back axle takes two and a half ton you might have little over a ton on your front axle for whatever reason you're breaking the law even though your van is underweight then they'll say oh yeah but look your front axles are overweight so it's a minefield and as ken said you don't care about it until something until you do until something yeah serious. i suppose at the end of the day the values are there for safety yes to prevent uh something 100 breaking while you're driving so look yes it, it makes sense to to adhere to that Um, you have uh all right so you loaded into the notes there a review there for stone park lodge Yes, campsitereview.com is our sister website. We have a forum there. It's free and it always will be. I was actually thinking of heading down to Stone Park uh, a couple of weeks back and I gave him a ring down there. There was not, not many changes which had been coming up on the card. So I said I'd give it a miss. And then Catman was on Campsite Review and he left a review about Stone Park Lodge, Ballanderry in County Kerry. Stayed here for the first time on Sunday night. There has been no changes to the site based on Aaron's first video report. It's a lovely site. There were two camper vans and two caravans on the grass. We had a bit of an issue on the grass and we got bogged in. Thanks to Dave, one of the caravanners who gave me a tow. And Sean also allowed me to park at the bottom of the roadway near the last static mobile home. Sean is a very nice and helpful chap and he was telling me that he has plans about an adjacent field. I gave him a few helpful suggestions that he liked. We went on to the smokehouse for dinner, a few drinks. It was a lovely place with very large portions of food. One piece of useful advice, if you are planning a visit, go to exit 26 on the M7 motorway and follow the N52 towards Nina. Travel around the Nina bypass towards Boris Akane. 
through the town and take the left and follow the sign for Ballanderry. We had a lovely time, really quiet place and an opportunity to, to chillax and recharge the batteries. And we will be back. Stone Park Lodge, when I was there, Ross from the Camping Crew podcast came down and we had a lovely time there. There's lovely walks. It's near Terry Glass. It's near Ballanderry Village. It is beautiful. And there are plans to upgrade and expand the site. Great. Yeah, I've never been up there that way. Now, definitely one I want to to check out. Great review. And um, the fact that he's uh, suggests that he'll be back um, means it's that's always a, a, a positive end. Yeah, we do have a video review up there on youtube.com forward slash Charlie Amir camping vlog of Stone Park Lodge, Ballandary in County Tip. And speaking of Charlie and me, no build video today. I was just too busy. We were out in the yard from eight o'clock this morning. And I got to be honest, yesterday evening when I came home, I just went straight to bed and I forgot to upload one for today. So there will be one next Wednesday. This Friday's Charlie and Me video is a revisit to Brandon Hill campsite in Gregna Manor in County Kilkenny. Nine o'clock if you want to join us live on youtube.com forward slash Charlie and Me, our camping vlog. Yeah, looking forward to uh, to checking that out. Um, def- another side I haven't been up around. So um, definitely trying to get and visit newer sites this year if i can right let's move on to products gadgets tips and camping hacks you came across uh, a couple of things online yeah i spotted there uh, a few days back uh, a conversation on irish motorhome group on facebook uh caroline there um was talking about um getting to the n4 toll bridge and being charged 450 um which is obviously quite annoying when you know it, it should be a lot cheaper so I suppose just a, a bit of advice or a few tips for anybody new to motorhoming, you know, uh, a motorhome caravan and uh, sorry, motorhome camper van and caravan vehicles usually fall under the category of a motor car, a public service vehicle um, with seatings for up to eight passengers. So you should really be paying at most sites anyway, or most uh, toll bridges and uh, you should really be paying the cost of a car but as you arrive to the toll bridge you will see the signs and they will have uh, usually they'll have the the cost for a uh, for a camper van but when you are going to the toll bridges always try and go into the um the, the laneway with the attendant in it mm-hmm. um now quite often there won't be an attendant there but most cases they'll have a bell up on the wall that you can actually ring for assistance and it happened to us um on the way to Dolan there uh, a few weeks back where we got to the to to the the stand but there's nobody in there but again rang the bell and they quickly uh, amended uh, the the price charity they just something had gone funny with the pricing on it mm-hmm. but with a, within what 20 seconds they had the price corrected we were able to pay and just uh, fly through and all the tolls in Ireland, we always do try and go to a person. And we've had yeah. no hassle. It's come up as whatever it is. It used to be 190. Now it's two euro or 230, uh, with the exception of the M50. On the M50, we have an account with all of our reg plates. So it's just deducted a month after you pass, which can be very confusing when you get an email saying there's money being deducted from your account. I go, why? Oh, I wasn't there, but it was a month previous. But the B-Bar used to come in at 450. So I would always say to the guys, it's a camper van. And one or two would say, doesn't look like a camper van. And I'd say, well, get out. I'd, I'd lose the head straight away. I've no time for this. I'm not going to say it's a camper van if it's not a camper van. And I'd say, well, get out of your booth and come in. And I said, I'll make you a cup of tea. Oh, here, look, it's only a euro. And I would just give them the 220, whatever it was at the time. So 
definitely try. I just think I've never pushed a buzzer, but you're saying you've got help instantly. With pretty much instant answer, yeah. Yeah, okay. But yeah, um is, is it is it worth I don't know. If you get a fine, <laughs> they're very quick on the M50, yeah. especially if you haven't paid. I mean, you have to pay by eight o'clock that evening if yeah, you're using the M50. That's I've a cut it once or twice with that, all right? Yeah, well. and the fines yeah. are quick to come if you don't yeah. pay. Going up and down to Fantasville now because usually you yes. get up there and you're all excited. You're getting into you forget. party mode and you forget to do it. Yeah. yeah, that's why we have the beauty that we have the two cars in the camper registered so it's just taken out of a bank whenever we do it but not everybody can do that but um yeah so you just try and go to the person it's the easiest way and and argue um i think only once i did out of temper pull the tax disc out of the b-ball and show it to a guy because it was 102 euro and i went look motorhome all right and he just let me go through (laughs) but equally when i bought the b-ball first i didn't have to pay for tolls because she was an emergency vehicle. So, you know, you take the good with the bad swings and roundabouts. <laughs> just to close out this week's podcast, Aaron, I said I'd throw a question into camp life. You know, if you're going to a location, do you generally go and take the easy route to someplace, which is hands up, that's what I love to do. I just like to get there. I don't want to be tired when I get there. So if I'm going somewhere, I'll take the motorway or I'll take the the national roads before mm-hmm. I'll take the R roads or the L roads. But I know a lot of people kind of love to go through the old roads before the motorways are built and through all the towns and villages and to stop off. What's your preference? In Ireland, on long journeys, let's say Doolan, I want to get from A to B. Because you have a bit of boat, I'd rather take the motorway and then just do the little bit of country roads that get you to there. In France, Deirdre makes me not take the motorways because she loves to see the towns and the villages. But my preference is like you, if we're heading off, I want to go the most direct route, get there, set up and relax. Yeah, You've got to remember if we're towing the car, for example, Doolan, some people come into Ennis Timon and turn left at a little hairpin and head towards the hinge. I've never gone that way because that's tight. I have to make a swing if I'm pulling the car or when we were pulling the trailer. So most direct route suits me each each time. Yeah, generally when we go away, we go away and we stay in one location for the duration of our, our trip away. I know a lot of people like to go to one place, then travel somewhere different the next day and mm-hmm. somewhere different the next day and, and somewhere different the next day. So that kind of is more conducive to, to taking the long way around or the slower yeah. way around yeah. places. It's the destination. I mean, with Charlie and me, yes, we'll go away Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the reviews. We want to get there. So I'm I'm the more direct route because I want to get there to review the campsite. But on our two weeks holidays, we'll go to Clifton Eco Park for three nights and then we'll take our time going to wherever, maybe Ackle for three nights. But yeah, so different strokes for different folks. If you've got two kids screaming in the back, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You want the motorway. <laughs> you want the toll bridge. You won't even argue if you're charged 450 on the toll. You just want to get there. Yeah, I suppose uh, probably people are more in uh, more into the, say, the wild camping or just, you know, the visiting different places. It, 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 it probably more suitable for that type of uh, that type of, of trip away, I suppose, you know. Let us know what you do. Do you take the main roads, the easy route, or do you like to opt out and go the longer, slower ways to your destination? Now, of course, you've got to get in touch with us. So you need our contact details. And Chris has the contact details. 
Our email address is campingcrewpodcast at gmail.com. Our webpage is thecampingcrew.ie. Um, our Twitter is at the camping crew. We're at the camping crew podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You'll find us posting regular enough on all the good motorhome and camping groups. You can email us uh, an audio message if you want uh, if you want to hear yourself on the podcast. And um, we'd love to get any reviews and bits and pieces, you know, information about campsites, anything at all you'd like to tell us. And um, send us uh, the easiest thing is just record on your smartphone and email it to us. And uh, we'd love to play it on the podcast. And don't forget, we have campsitereview.com where we have a forum. It's free and always will be. You can review campsites, gadgets, or just read them. It's very busy at the moment. And then our YouTube channel, Charlie and Me, our camping vlog. It's youtube.com forward slash Charlie and Me, our camping vlog. We'll have a video up there this Friday, as I said, from County Kilkenny, and a couple of more build videos coming up on Wednesdays. We are well and truly into the camping season and absolutely loving it. Would have loved to have been away a few days this week with the weather being the way it was. Uh, this weekend, we're going to take a spin down to the Glen of Arlow. I haven't been there for two years. My favourite campsite. So we're going to head off down there this weekend. If you see us on site, like a lot of you do, please do come over. Say hi from me, Aaron. Stay safe. And it's a goodbye from me, Chris. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and tell your camping friends all about us. Particularly if you know anybody new to camping, uh, might find it very useful. Well, that's it for another podcast from the camping crew. Thanks for listening and do join us again very soon. Safe camping.